rejoice. We, we rejoice because of the spirit, of your spirit that, that lived in Bapa, that lived in uh, Dick for, for a long time. And, and we rejoice because he's with you, Father. I've been thinking about Friday morning a lot this last week. I've been thinking about him waking up and lifting his head and seeing his Savior for the first time with all the things that have in this world that blind us from seeing you, all those things being removed and him standing face to face with King Jesus. And, and in that moment, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, in the, in the twinkling of an eye, he was physically well, he was emotionally well, and he was spiritually well. His soul was at rest. Father, that, that is our hope, that, that you first have been raised so we too can be raised so that grandpa has been raised and is dwelling with you and will dwell with you for all of eternity because he trusted in Jesus as his savior death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is your sting oh death where is your victory Father, that is our hope. We love you. We pray this all in the name of Jesus, our Savior, his Savior. Amen. I'm Ann Brubacher Duretsky. This reading is from Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I'm Greta Warner, granddaughter of Dick and daughter of Chris and Tim. This is John 14, 1 through 6. Do not be worried and upset, Jesus told them. Believe in God and believe also in me. There are many rooms in my father's house, and I am going to prepare a place for you. I would not tell you this if it were not so. And after I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to myself so that you will be where I am. You know the way that leads to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way to get there? 
Jesus answered him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except by me. I'm Britta, Papa's granddaughter and middle child of Rod and Sarah. I'm reading from Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. I have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you his saints, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Thank you all very much. I'd like to invite Chris and Alex forward for some remembrances of Dick today. I have to get this off my glasses. I am Chris Werner. I am the baby of the Brubacher family, and perhaps an unlikely candidate to be the one up here, but I feel like I am, I was so blessed to be Dick's daughter, and I am honored to be speaking. Uh, and I, you know, it's, it's strange to be here looking out at my family and talking to you about Dad. We all, everyone in this room knows him and loves him. These, you people in the room, you are his nearest and dearest. So what do you say? I thought perhaps I would go into how he was the ideal Eagle Scout, Boy Scout, trustworthy, honest, loyal, reverent, all those qualities. And then I said, no, maybe I talk about what he taught me. He taught me how to ski. He taught me constellations. He was my first dance partner. No, I won't do that. I'm going to talk about some of my dad's loves. And the first one I want to talk to you about is my dad loved the Lord. My earliest, when I tried to think of my earliest memories of my dad, my earliest memories are of going at a nighttime routine. Some nights when my, my dad would tuck me in, and I'd be in my bed, and my dad would come and sit by me, and he would pray with me. And it was usually, now I lay me down to sleep. Sometimes, I got what was, I thought, the special Butterfield prayer, the prayer that my dad said when he was a little boy, Jesus, tender shepherd, hear me. To me, that seemed like a really special day when we got to do that. And then I got to do my whole litany of God bless. God bless mom, God bless dad. I went through every person I knew. I don't think it was because I was an altruistic child. I think I was trying to put off going to bed. Um, but... My dad would sit, and he'd sit there with me, and he would let me go through every name. He never tried to rush me. He never tried to cut me off, because I think he knew the importance of prayer. And he wanted me to know that there is nothing more important than that conversation with God. As I got older, I'd see him doing his Bible study lesson. I'm in Bible study now, 
I'm not the student he was. I like to find the question, get the answer, write it down, quick move on to something else. Uh, my dad, when I, I, I remember seeing him at the kitchen table, and he would have, oops, <laughs> he would have his parallel Bible out. So there would be four versions, four different translations of the Bible there in one place, bookmarked up, and he would read, and he would go back and forth, and he would flip to different passages, and he might pull out a Bible atlas and look at maps. He wasn't doing it to get an answer on paper. He was doing it to get an answer in his heart and to learn more about his Lord. And he didn't talk about his faith much. He wasn't a preacher. He didn't proselytize. Um, but when he was, I suppose, about two weeks maybe before he died, Jack and Olivia came over to visit him, and Jack played some hymns for him. And right in, when he finished, Jack said, Grandpa, do you have any requests? And Grandpa's request was, soon and very soon, we are going to see the Lord. And I just love that, that that's what he, otherwise I didn't know that's what he was thinking. But that was his, those were his thoughts at that time. So Dad loved the Lord. Dad also loved dogs. I'm not going to say that dogs were number two on his list, but I don't know that I can say that they weren't. <laughs> There's not a dog he met that he didn't love. And all dogs, or most, maybe not Shaney, but all dogs loved him. And I think, I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but I think that in many ways that's because my dad had the best qualities that we think of when we think of dogs. <laughs> he was loyal. He was forgiving. He was happy to see us when we came home. He didn't hold grudges. And uh, I was talking to Tim last night, and we often say about dogs, we don't deserve dogs. And Tim said, yeah, Chris, but your dad deserved dogs. <laughs> and he did. He did. Uh, I think of, I, I was given a card yesterday that had a poem in it that it was talking about heaven, and this person's vision was saying that when you get there, God throws up, he brings you up there, he throws open the door, and all of your loved ones say, he's here, he's here. Uh, I have a Disney-fied version of that, too, where there are dogs. Uh, dogs, and Dad's re Buffy's there saying, he's here, he's here. And if all dogs truly go to heaven, even Keisha might be there saying, he's here, he's here. And then I think, oh, and here comes Bowser running up and over the hill. That was my dad's childhood dog. And then my da dad's next childhood dog, Bowser, again, comes running over the hill. Then my dad's third childhood dog, yes, again named Bowser, comes running up to greet him. Uh, I, I love that vision of, of thinking that dad is reunited with all of his favorite people and all of his favorite animals. Uh, the last thing I'm going to talk about is that God loved me. Now, of course, and God, sorry, my dad. My dad loved me. Of course, he loved my mom greatly, and he loved my sisters greatly, but they have their own stories to tell. When I think of my dad, I have a, a, a memory that might not seem big to the rest of you, but it meant a lot to me. I was in my mid-20s. 
My sister Anne was married. My sister Sarah was engaged. I was a boomerang kid. I had been on my own, but mom and dad graciously let me bounce back in. I was living at home. I was perpetually single without a prospect in sight. And it was Valentine's Day. And I don't know if mom and dad usually went out for dinner, but they had a third person around. And so mom and I got dinner ready, and dad came home from work, and he walked in the door, and he had two bouquets of flowers. And I just thought that was really thoughtful, that was something really special, and it just tells you a lot about him, I think. Uh, he wasn't, uh, in the last few weeks of his life, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't always so aware and alert. Uh, sometimes we don't know if he was hearing us or not. And I remember one time he took my hands. He, he really valued touch at that time. He and my mom held hands a lot. And he held my sister's hand and he held my hand. And he took my hands and brought them to his face and kissed them. And I told that to my mom later. I said, I'm pretty sure he was thinking he was talking to you. <laughs> but then it happened one more time when we were talking. And this was one of my final interactions with my dad. I was talking. He wasn't really saying much. But he could make, he could, I knew that he knew it was me. And he grabbed my hands and he gave me a final kiss. I'm so blessed to have a dad who loved all of us so much. I thank you people here because you were such a big part of his life and he loved you so much. And I just want to say, Dad, thank you. And I will love you every day of my life. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Alex. I am a grandson to uh, Dick Brubacher, as well as Ann and Alan Duretsky's son. So as I wrote this, I kept on slowly kind of adding things and thinking of the best way that I could describe uh, our grandfather. And uh, I'm, I feel truly blessed that I'm able to share this with all the cousins in here today, because I feel truly very close to them as well. So I'd like to start off this speech with uh, respect to the Quaker tradition, which is I went to a friend's school uh, from 7th to 12th grade. That's where I graduated from. My mom was on the school board, and we take great pride. And I feel like I was always able to talk to uh, my grandpa Dick about what it meant to be at a Quaker school because he was so interested in and not even just his own religion, but also as well as different philosophies and uh, as well as other religions. So I'd like to take a moment to what they did was something called meeting for worship, uh, where uh, they would do silent prayer or reflection, uh, whatever you choose, and I'd like to have 15 to 20 seconds of silence uh, where you can do silent prayer or reflection, so please join me.
Thank you. So I want to start this eulogy off with a quote, a quote that I feel exemplifies who Grandpa Brubacher was to not only me, but to everyone in this room right now. This is a quote from Joseph Marshall III from Walking with Grandfather. Just as knowledge is derived from information, wisdom begins with knowledge, grows with experience, and is empowered by discernment. This quote, to me, speaks volumes for what Grandpa brought to this family. One thing that always fascinated me about Grandpa was the vast amount of knowledge he had. He could tell you how to get anywhere in Minnesota without Google Maps or Apple Maps. His knowledge of all things Minnesota was what made me consider Minnesota a second home to me. He taught me so much about the various towns we would drive through, the traditions that Minnesotans hold dear to their hearts, and his intelligence when it came to history truly amazed me. He taught all of us grandchildren how to drive the rowboat, how to fish, and most of all, he stimulated our imagination through stories and tales such as Barnaby and Boo Boo. He would lay with us, whether it be in the loon room or the bunk room, the middle bedroom, and would lay there with us until we all fell asleep telling us tales of Barnaby and Boo Boo, how they would steal our bikes or how they would uh, go to the mud hole uh, down on Moody Lake. He really gave me a second home here in Minnesota. And it's because of having this feeling of home here in Minnesota that I felt comfortable going out of my comfort zone, spending the summer at Camp Lincoln half a country away from my home in Virginia, which was a big accomplishment for me. And it was really because of my comfort with all of my family here that I felt comfortable doing something like that. If I had to narrow down three virtues that Grandpa possessed, they would be kindness, commitment, and bravery. His kindness was something I always witnessed from him all over the course of my life. You could always rely on him to make sure you were fed as long as you were staying in his home. He always made sure there was coffee for everybody. Always would think of others before himself, no matter what. Whenever the cousins and I would be at the cabin, he would make his world-famous pancakes and bacon from piers. He would always pick up the tab at a restaurant with family, no matter how many times you offered. It wasn't only kindness, but his leadership to his grandchildren, his daughters, and his wife. He knew what it meant to be a father and a grandfather. He knew it wasn't only about keeping a roof over his family's head and feeding them, but that it was about guiding his daughters along with his grandchildren in the right direction and always ensuring they were entertained. His commitment to his family was like nothing I have ever seen. He raised three amazing daughters, two of whom I am so thankful to call my aunts. His dedication to public service was remarkable. His service to the country during the Korean War, city manager for Hopkins, and to the state of Minnesota. And finally, bravery. He really was one of the bravest men I ever knew. He raised an amazing family, who all went on to bring amazing grandchildren into this family. Bravery doesn't have to be just about serving your country or putting your life on the line for random strangers. Bravery is as simple as waking up every morning and finding a reason to put your feet on the ground and support a family. He taught us all bravery, as is passed on to all of his daughters, whom have gone on to raise amazing families to continue the Brubacher family tree. I'd like to finish with a poem by Ralph Waddle Emerson about bravery. I do not go where the path may lead, 
I go instead where there is no path, and I leave a trail. While on that trail, I seek the miraculous in the common, for it enriches my life. I stay my path, my trail, without fear, for fear defeats more people than any other thing, one thing in the world, and I will not be defeated. And while on that trail, I endeavor, do what I'm afraid of, because a hero is no braver than an ordinary man, but he is brave five minutes longer, and while no hero, I am determined to be braver for at least 15. I do not put my faith in luck, instead I believe in cause and effect. And I trust myself because my heart vibrates to an iron string. I want to possess character, for character is higher than intellect, and in this way, my soul will be stronger to live as well as to think. Above all, I want my life to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have my life mean something, stand for something. Because if my life makes a difference, then I have lived well. In these ways, I become the person I am destined to be, the person I decide to be in this grand experiment. For all life is an experiment, and this is my experiment. And the best part of the experiment is, scatter is the scattering of joy. My grandpa stayed his own path, one guided by kindness to everyone he encountered, commitment to service and family, and the bravery to stay course. The trail he left behind will continue to make a difference in the lives of those still walking theirs. That is a life well lived. That is a life our grandfather lived and our father. Thank you. Jesus is fairer 
Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Alex and Chris. Uh, Chris, I knew that um, Dick would, of course, be welcomed home by the Holy Trinity. I didn't recognize that there would be two, uh, the second, of course, being the three Bowsers. I didn't know this. This is quite amazing. <laughs> Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, stir up your holy power this day and come. Send your spirit into our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our ears that we might hear a word for us today anew, and that we too then might live out that which we believe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There are two words in the Christian faith that reflect the beauty of a life well lived. Those two words, of course, are servant and neighbor. In the biblical story, these words are spoken in many various ways, Our Jewish brothers and sisters are asked to remember at Passover that they were once slaves and strangers in a foreign land and are asked to welcome all strangers. At the festivals of booths, they are asked to make temporary dwellings to live in and are reminded to welcome strangers, as in so doing, they entertain angels in disguise. Luke, the physician who wrote one of our four Gospels, tells the story of the Good Samaritan, a surprising story of surprising hospitality 
with a foreign hero and religious frauds. And Jesus, the servant of all, reminded even his adversaries that the most important thing in life is to love God and love your neighbor. A shorthand way of saying that God's call to all people is to become a servant to all neighbors. For us, we might say that an exemplary life of faith might be someone called a public servant. And for us, specifically today, we might just cite the name of our beloved husband, father, and grandfather, Dick Brubacher. Some guys, in fact, some good guys, in fact, do finish first. Not measured by wealth or power or privilege or status, but by winning, by bringing his beloved Mary coffee each and every morning, by raising three beautiful, strong daughters, by lacing up ski boots and ice skates, by flooding the garden for a winter rink, by weaving wonderful stories of Barnaby and Boo Boo to the point that you are asked to come to your grandchild's school to tell the stories, by serving the community with compassion and heart, by faithfully learning the stories of faith and living those stories out in both word and in deed, and by deciding it was more important to attend Anne's graduation than it was to keep his job, by listening to Republicans and Democrats alike and earning their trust for wisdom and guidance and judgment. Good men like Dick finish first as servants to their closest neighbors, to their wives, their kids, their grandkids, and their communities. Today, we gather to remember the riches that result from such faith-filled living, 90 years of love and hope and family and cabin and dogs and a world left all the better for Dick's living his life. The Bible has an amazing way of seeing into the heart of such servants and those who care for their neighbors. Paul speaks these words to his friends in his letter to the Galatians, speaking words that I hear echoed so clearly in the ringing of all of Dick's life. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. Listening to Sarah, Chris, and Mary tell the stories of Dick life, Dick's life the other day, these are the emotions, the values, and the commitments that I hear poured out into the tales of Dick's life and his life and love of service and neighbor. These are the traits of servants and faithful neighbors like Dick Brubacher. And they are the gifts of God's spirit that are embedded in our souls that reverberate into our actions. And these are the gifts that animated all of Dick's life. In like manner, we often think that salvation is some moral or ethical transformation. And in some sense, that's true. But contemplatives and those who live quiet lives of faithful reflection know that salvation has more to do with our deepest identity than any moral or ethical behavior. In fact, salvation is the deep recognition of who we are in God's love. Salvation is the stunning and complete ordering of our lives 
when our will and our identity are one with God's love. It is, in fact, no longer we who live, but God who lives in us. And sometimes this salvation is dramatic. Other times it is the long, slow living of life and the daily recognition that we are called to lives directed by God in service to one another. Dick's life was a life of slow, quiet, listening salvation, where his spirit was daily more and more consumed by his most authentic self as a beloved child of God. When this happens, love, joy, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness are the words and feelings that others sense around us. And having just the last chance to sit and share communion with Dick one last time a few weeks ago, these are the words that I experienced in Dick's countenance, even in his final days. There are two words that most describe a faithful Christian life, servant and neighbor. And when these two words are lived out by public servants like Dick Brubacher, who knew his life was meant to be shared as a gift for others, at the end of life, we hear God speak the most beautiful words of all. Dick Brubacher, beloved servant of God, welcome into the eternal joy of your maker. And with all the confidence I know today, as always, Dick has heard these words in the very presence of God, the beloved and servant of us all. Amen. Together we stand and we recite the Apostles' Creed as a statement of our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we offer today our beloved servant, Dick Brubacher, into your hands. We give you thanks for his life as a father, as a husband, as a neighbor, as a friend, as a partner, as a leader in our community. Let that same spirit of love, gentleness, and compassion that so animated his life and his words remain with us, stay with us, remain in us, and also animate our lives, that we too might reflect the love that you poured into him, so that we too might follow in his footsteps as he followed in yours. And let us remember that while he is gone from our sight, he is here forever in our spirit. As you have welcomed him home, called him by name, and loved him, remind us that he also lives in us. Let us speak the stories of his life as they affected ours, and let us remember and give thanks for all of his days. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And loving God, remember us in your kingdom as you have taught us to pray. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now into your hands, O merciful Savior, we commend your servant, Dick. Acknowledge we humbly beseech you a sheep of your own fold, a lamb of your own flock, a sinner of your own redeeming. Receive him into the arms of your mercy, into the blessed rest of everlasting peace, and into the glorious company of all the saints in heaven. Amen. Let us go forth in peace. In the name of Christ, amen. You may be seated. Thank you.